Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to publisher of Comic Scene Magazine and absolutely riveting individual, Tony Foster, about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, one thing we forgot to mention on today's show is that Comic Scene also have a podcast. To have a listen, simply search for Comic Scene, the podcast, in whichever podcast service you use, and you'll find it right there. Also, this week is the last week for my latest Kickstarter, Saffron Spacetime Academy Adventures. As I speak, we've reached 75%, so still have a little way to go. But if you like the idea of a colourful all-ages space adventure comic, then be sure to check it out by searching Saffron on Kickstarter or by following the link in the show notes. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Tony Foster. How's it going? Very well, thanks, Sam. How are you? I'm well, thanks. It's uh, It's been a busy busy day uh, and uh, and week for me but hopefully it's going to calm down by the end of the week um but how about yourself uh yeah very busy day today um been busy working on uh the magazine uh, but hopefully that's all going to calm down as well and you get a bit of downtime yeah absolutely because yeah, it yeah. must have been so busy and kind of before we get into it uh just to put it into context for anybody that doesn't know um, what you do, what do you do in the world of comics? Uh, yeah, well, I uh, started uh, and published and edit uh, the magazine Comic Scene, uh, which is Amazing. a monthly magazine, which is uh, not just out in comic shops, but also is now distributed in places like WH Smith and Which McCall. is where I, I, I got my most recent copy, so thanks very much. I was so excited to actually buy, because I, I, I don't buy that many magazines but i was so excited to buy a magazine from wh smith i, I was just over the moon so <laughs> thanks fantastic. very much for that <laughs> no problem which one was that which copy was it oh it was the roy roy, roy the rovers one uh-huh. yeah uh the, the the most recent one um fantastic. and uh yeah i was just great to kind of see that on the on the magazine shelves there and kind of you know it was it just brought back so brought back so many memories so thanks. fantastic Fantastic. That's what it's about. So um, I'm glad you liked it. Very much so. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Comic Scene um, mm-hmm. magazine. Uh, what an amazing undertaking uh, that is. Well, yeah, crazy undertaking, I think, is the, is the word you're looking for. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a bit nuts. Um, yeah, it was It was really just uh, I, 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 I started getting back into comics again. Um, and I noticed there was a lot of things on websites and blogs and vlogs, um, but it seemed a bit odd that there wasn't a, a magazine about a print form. Um, and um, I just started to play around with a few ideas, and those few ideas kind of started to to to, to rumble along, and and here we are, um, a year later, in fact. Um, uh, I think we launched in on May the first in in, in uh, limited limited places, and, mm-hmm. and here we are now na- nationwide a- across the the UK and over and an island in over uh, a thousand stores, which um, is just Amazing. absolutely crazy. 
Congratulations. That's, uh, oh, that's an incredible achievement. Um, and uh, as well as obviously getting it in shops, I, I believe you can get it online as well. Yeah, you can. You can get a, a digital copy uh, a wee bit cheaper than you can in the shops. So if you if you prefer to, to read it on your, your mobile phone or your tablet or your laptop, um, it's there for you as well. Um, but, I, I, you know, quite a lot of people's people talk about the fact that people are moving to digital but we we find that in, in terms of percentages um, more people read the magazine than than on digital but um uh yeah it's it's growing it's growing the, the people who are finding out about the magazine and and wanting to read it uh, in digital is, is growing too amazing and where, where can people get it digitally um, well, they'll be able to go onto our website, which is going to be getmycomics.com forward slash comic scene. Right. And they'll be able to order it there and, 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 and it should download for them there as well. Fantastic. Uh, and the most uh, recent um, <clears throat> issue uh, that will be out in shops, I believe, is on uh, was released on the 25th of April. Uh, mm-hmm. As of today, uh, technically, it's the 29th mm-hmm. of April, even though we're, we're recording this about a month before that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but, uh... it's all started. It's all started. You, you should try doing a magazine when you're just about to, uh, you're releasing one magazine and then you're editing another and thinking ahead. Oh, it's all, all really crazy. So yeah, That must cross so many wires in your head. Yeah. That must be crazy. <laughs> I feel like a bit like a time traveller, you know. I'm not no quite doubt. sure where I am. Um, <laughs> I think it's actually Christmas, actually, now I come to think about it. Yeah. I bet you've got the Christmas issue in your head already. I, I, I have. It's got snow on the logo and everything. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um, and uh, you're, you, I believe comic scenes on, on Twitter and Instagram and, and the like, aren't they? Yeah, we've we've got quite a big um, uh, social media presence uh, on 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 Twitter. I th- uh, the, it's I think it's Comicsflix UK US is our is our is our handle a uh, Twitter handle on that, and um, and then we're also on uh, Facebook as well under under Comicsflix, um, and we've got a Comic Scene uh, Facebook group, and we've got a Comic Scene Comic Mart where people can go on and tell. Uh, people about their kickstarters and small press comics and sell their comics as well so yeah there's a mix of things that people can use yeah fantastic uh well um aside from all of that that happy positive news unfortunately i do have some bad news for you tony Um, and that's because there is an impending asteroid heading towards earth i'm afraid Mm -hmm. um and so uh my question uh for you is what is what is your action plan for survival in the um in the interim whilst the asteroid is coming to earth we know that it's coming and then what what are you going to do once it hits earth well hmm. i've um, been thinking about this and um it, it, i think i've got a couple of options first i'd like to get a team together but oh, i'm not great. quite sure um I'm not quite sure which team I'm likely to go with. Whether I should go for the the full cast of Armageddon, yep, straight. Or up. whether I should, or, or, or the Deep Impact team. Um, obviously, Armageddon had Bruce Willis, and um, and uh, and you can never go wrong with a bit of uh, uh, well, Bruce. Ben Affleck was in there as well. And Ben Affleck was in, and obviously he's yeah. Batman as well. So you know you get double the fun there, and. Um, 
But on the other side, you know, the Deep Impact team, it's uh, Morgan Freeman as the president, and uh, you've got Tia Leone there as well, and she'd probably make me laugh. So uh, (laughs) in terms of of teams, but... um, they're probably not going to be much use. So <laughs> so I've been looking at other options as well. I, I thought I'd, I'd try and get hold of Jimmy Olsen's um, Superman watch and uh, maybe give the Man of Steel a, a, a call and then I realised that actually it doesn't exist. So that would be pretty much useless as well. well that's a bit of a dead end, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But I, fortunately, I live in a place called Kirk Newton. And um, Kirk Newton actually has... Is, is actually the location for one of the secret bunkers um, from from the the time of the Cold War. Um, so if there was ever going to be a nuclear strike, um, the the cabinet, the the the, the par- parliament cabinet, um, would be sent to one of three locations in Scotland, and Kurt Newton just happens to be one of them. And down in this bunker, it's got a, a number of of doors in it, you know, like prime minister and yeah. <laughs> home secretary. And um, so I think I would try and uh, get the keys for that and, um, and, and, and put myself down into the, uh, to the bunker to protect myself from the asteroid. Um, take down a couple of tins of spam with me. That should keep me going for a little while. Um, maybe take a few comics with me just to, to relieve the boredom. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think I think that's how I might uh, take on this particular asteroid. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and in your preparation for <laughs> going down into into this uh, this secret bunker, um, mm-hmm. you kind of you're looking at your comics collection, and mm-hmm. you want a nice array of comics. And 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 the first comic that you want to take um, is is the first comic you you remember enjoying. And, and mm-hmm. what is that comic? Uh, that comic is uh, Lookin, which was um, known as the Junior TV Times. Yeah. Um, it was released in 1971, and it uh, kept going till about 1994, I think. Yeah, that's what I read. Yeah, yeah. and um, so... I would probably take Lookin down with me. It was it was it was a sort of TV tie-in title, um, and I mean at the time, um, of course, there was only three channels on on television, um, and there was no breakfast television, and there was no nighttime television. I think most of the channels probably finished at eleven o'clock with the national anthem. Right. Um, and, and and also at the same time you you didn't have um vcrs or or um you know you won't be able to you, you didn't have iplayer or anything like that you you had to watch the program and if you didn't watch the program then you completely missed it and the great thing about looking was that you were able to read your favorite programs in installments over a couple of weeks um and there was some great strips in it from things like the Tomorrow People and the Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic Woman, Charlie's Angels, Dick Turpin, Sapphire and Steel, um, Chips, Mork and Mindy, Buck Rogers, all that kind of stuff. And it was um, all done by uh, some quite well-known artists now, like Arthur Ranson and and John Burns. Um, 
and it was it was absolutely fantastic. And it was the way that you got your 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 TV, another fix of your TV programs. And I was quite I was quite sad about the whole thing, really. I I um <laughs> I would get each copy, and it was the the, the strips were on t- over two pages, and I would put them together, and the, the story would last for about maybe six weeks, seven weeks, and I would put them all together. Uh, so it might be the Tomorrow People, and I'd put all six or seven episodes together once they'd finished, and then I would read them out aloud. Amazing. <laughs> pretending it was a television program. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, and 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 so you know that would be something I would probably have to take into the bunker because not only would I be able to read it, but I'll be able to read it out aloud to myself and pretend I'm watching television programs that probably couldn't be broadcast in in, in the bunker um right I'm sure, I'm sure that you can find like a large large cardboard box that you can cut into a into a mock tv as well yeah and kind of put some antennas on top you know? and, 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 <laughs> and 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 do my own kind of karaoke as well because totally. looking also had strips featuring some of the sort of top bands at the time like the beatles and abba and Elvis and the Bay City Rollers and Madness and Kylie and Jason were in there. Aha! And um, I think um, Rebellion recently released the uh, the Beatles um, uh, graphic novel, okay. um, which originally w- was serialised in, in in Looking. So not only would I be able to do the television programmes, but I'd be able to sing all the songs as well, which would keep me occupied for many many a few months while I'm trying to survive the asteroid. So yeah, Looking would be my my first comic i think amazing and you, and you know what I, d- I i didn't know about this until you sent through your your comic choices and kind of <laughs> looking it up and everything what an, what an amazing magazine to have had at the time and as you quite quite rightly say it's kind of like the the eye player of the 70s and 80s i guess um, yeah in a way yeah there was and um, there was i mean people talk about sort of tv time comics now but they've always been around. Even before looking, I think mm. you would have had Countdown and a TV comic, and uh, they were absolutely brilliant. The artwork in them was fantastic, and there was a few um, derivatives of it. There was was there was the Beeb magazine, which didn't last very long, but that had Grange Hill in it, which was a popular TV yeah. show at the the time. And and that strip was written by Pat Mills, and he, oh, really? he talks about, he oh. talks about it briefly uh, on our on our uh, podcast, the comic scene podcast, um, I think episode three. And, and there was also a magazine called tops magazine, which was, which was as close to looking as you could get, but um, it had a great strip with Adam, the ants. I don't know if you, if you recall the, 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 the band Adam, the ants, but it had Adam as a time traveler great. and uh, John Freeman covered it on down the tubes recently. His, 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 his blog. And, um, that was a great strip as well, but but looking was the best of them all, I think, and and um, yeah, there's some great artwork in there, and I think Rebellion have just got the rights to it within the collection that they they recently require, acquired. Okay. So if they can solve all the issues around it, then we might be seeing a few more strips from from uh, looking in the future. Wow, that which would be great. 
Yeah. I'd, I'd be keen to read that. Yeah, cool. absolutely. I mean, it had stuff like Magnum PI and A-Team and stuff like that, and they've oh, all been remade. So uh, people do know some of the, the programs from the time. So, yeah, it would be it would be amazing. Um, it would be an amazing. It is. It was an amazing comic. It was it was it was brilliant. Fantastic, uh, and so you've got, you've got looking into your collection, and mm-hmm. so you're looking around for for, for the next category mm-hmm. of uh, of comics, and you think to yourself, what's the funniest or the comic that made me laugh out loud the most? Ah, the comic that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> um, it's funny because um, I I don't think I've laughed that much at comics, um, but I do recall there was about two or three titles that, that I can remember in my mind that made me laugh out loud. Great. And um, so it's hard to choose between the three of them, really. So um, it's probably worth me mentioning them all briefly. One was um, Calvin and Hobbes. Of course. Um, I remember buying The Treasury of Calvin and Hobbes by, I think it's Bill Waterston, isn't it? And mm-hmm. And... Um, I remember buying it in Glasgow and getting on the bus home, which was an hour's journey. And I started reading the Calvin and Hobbes treasury. And I just burst out laughing at every single strip in the middle of the bus journey. (laughs) All I could think was these eyes watching me just laughing at this book, which (laughs) was, which which was just a, a, a hoot. Um, and I hadn't had kids at the time either. And so it was, this is what I would imagine that kids were thinking, uh, because it wasn't that uh, far from how I was thinking as a sort of late teenager. <laughs> so um, I really enjoyed um, Calvin and Hobbes. I think it's pure genius, um, uh, uh, that that particular thing. And But there was a couple of other sort of American titles that made me laugh. Um, One was uh, called Amazing Man. Um, It didn't last very long. It was a DC comic, and it was about this sort of pint-sized superhero, from what I recall. Um, But I remember, and it was was written a little bit like a sitcom. Hmm. So it was probably a little bit like Welcome Back, Cotter, meets Cheers, meets Friends kind of thing thing and i just remember uh, laughing out loud at some of the 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 scenes in it um and i think there was some sort of tender moments and some 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 sad moments probably but um i do remember laughing at it and 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 that would be a a great title and 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 the final one was um justice league when it was drawn by Kevin Maguire, right, and um, that was a hoot. It was, you know, superheroes were always treated quite seriously, and then this title, uh, Justice League, um, came out, and the artwork was by I think Kevin Maguire, and and it wasn't just the story that was funny, but the way he drew it was funny as well. Um, and interestingly enough, I would say that. The movies today, particularly the Marvel movies, the humour in those um, lend themselves to the Justice League titles humour. It's really deadpan and quite. uh, It's not. It's not. It's not 
total comedy. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, mm. and sarcastic at times. And I just remember reading it and, and laughing out loud at it. And it was I think it was probably quite popular at the time, or, or it certainly divided opinion, but I think it was still quite a popular title. Um, but it was it was it was a great title, and I think the successful movies that are out now that are superheroes movies do lend it in terms of the script to that title. Um, but yeah, all three of them, they all made me laugh. So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, you start to get a little bit. Um, I guess, uh, reflective and thinking, right, I've got a really enjoyable comic. Um, the first one I, re- I remember, uh, you got loads of funny comics now. Um, and you want, you want something that's going to kind of stir up emotions. And so you think, uh, what's the saddest or most upsetting comic that I've read? Ooh, it's quite hard with comics. I've, I've never really, I've never really, read a sad comic sad, being sad is quite a, a strong emotion yeah and uh, you know i i i you know I, rec- I recall crying at tv programs and i recall crying at films and crying at pieces of music but i really don't recall ever feeling quite emotional while reading a comic and it's been a really interesting doing comic scene and, and listening to our podcast, because some people do talk about um, some comics that have really hit their emotions. Yeah. And I just haven't got round to reading them yet. So it's mm. probably more that I'm missing out on some titles that would, would bring that emotion out in me than, than anything else. But I do recall being sad about a particular comic when it ended um, which was uh, Cheeky Weekly. Right. Um, you talk about comics that make you laugh, and Cheeky Weekly made me laugh every week. It, it came out in, in 1977 and, and lasted till about early 1980. And um, Cheeky was this character who uh, used to be in a magazine called Crazy. He was part of the Crazy Gang, and he got his own comic. And it was a brilliant comic, Um and uh, I don't know if you've you've heard of it or, or, or seen it, but it was it was quite unusual comic as well, in that um, it 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 gave you Cheeky's week. So it started mm. on a, a Sunday, and it it you know it went through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, oh, wow. and it, on each day something new happened. So um, he might have um, read a, a chapter of a book. And then it went into a into a into a picture strip called James Bold, um, and it did the sort of James, you know, this 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 picture strip called James Bold, and then and then you know he would then go up into his attic and find this this his his dad's old comics, and it would then show a uh, um, it would it would then show a strip from an old comic uh, from the sort of nineteen thirties nineteen forties and reprint it. And then on a Saturday morning, he would go to the cinema and it would do a sort of Warner Brothers tie-in movie with with some of the cartoons that are out at that time. So it was a really, it was a really fun comic to read. It's, 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 there's a few blogs about it and it, it was quite popular. And, um, and I remember then that um, you saw the dreaded word, great news for all readers inside. 
Right. Um, and it's it's what's I think in, in the industry was called hatch, match, and dispatch, where a comic would end and they would merge it with another comic yeah. to sort of um, increase the readership of the other comic, and 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 the other would then ride off into the sunset. So Cheeky was merged into Whippy right. at the time, mm. and and I just remember feeling completely deflated and incredibly oh, sad um and um and uh it wasn't it was it was the eased you into this particular one it was very unusual to 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 have this but they they put um sort of supplement inside whoopee it was 16 pages of cheeky Right. Um, rather than just merge it and just put the best strips from one and the other, like they did with 2018 Star Lord and all this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so it was it was a very very uh, sad sad time. However, however, one might say that 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 you know, it, as a kid, um, having this happen to you time and time again, if you read comics, really toughened you up, mm. <laughs> <laughs> in that you had to to face this kind of grief on a regular basis every sort of <laughs> couple of months on, on your favorite titles. And, um, and, and you had to feel sadness and bounce back. So perhaps that would be good training for being in the bunker. Perhaps it, it builds your resilience and, and, and makes yeah, you a stronger yeah. person. So, um, but that's the saddest, the saddest I've ever felt while reading a comic. Amazing. Um, and yeah, well, very sad. Um, but uh, yeah, um, hopefully you'll be able to uh, reminisce um, yeah, very, well. very nicely um, with with uh, that that last issue mm-hmm. of Cheeky Weekly. Fantastic. <laughs> um, and so uh, the next uh, category that comes to mind is uh, a scary comics, and you think, what's the scariest or most horrifying comic that I've read? Hmm. Well, I've not read many horror comics. I'm not very attracted to them. Right. Um, I tend to avoid horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think the most scariest movie I've ever watched was 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 Jaws. <laughs> and oh, great. <laughs> and you know when that head pops out the uh, bottom of the boat in yeah, Jaws. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know it's coming every time, and every time it makes me jump. It's still so you, horrific, though, isn't it? Can you can you imagine me watching horror movies? It would just be it would just be crazy. <laughs> yeah, don't watch um, don't watch Sharknado. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I was watching Tremors the other night. Have you ever seen Tremors? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, classic. Yeah, Tre- Tremors Brilliant. is one of the best movies I've ever seen in a cinema. That surprised me. It was uh, it was a total random thing to go and see. I used to do sort of film promotion, and oh, Tremors yeah. was was what was one of the films that I just happened to go and see because I used to have free tickets all the time and it's still today and it was the first time I'd seen it in in many many years and it's still a great movie but uh, it's probably about as much horror as I can take um, <laughs> so I don't tend to to to, to read horror horror com- the closest I've come to horror comics is Misty you know um, right. <laughs> Um, when I uh, when I, I, would, I actually read Misty when I was when I was a kid, I would put it in between all my comics. But I, I love love Misty. But um, um, yeah, I think I was I was pretty scared of Judge Death. 
Sure. That's pretty scared of him. He was pretty, pretty scared. scary. <laughs> uh, what a character. What a brilliant yeah. character. Um, and I was pretty, I was pretty, I think I used to have nightmares about Judge Death. Um, uh, wow. Well, I think I read the first, I, I first encountered Judge Death with the Titan reprints. Um, and, and it just scared the willies out of me. It really did. Um, but I suppose the, the one comic that I read recently, which really kind of scared me more than anything else, cause it made me think about it was, um, the graphic novel Sabrina, which was put forward for the man Booker prize. Are you aware of that? Yeah, so um, I, I, I wasn't aware of it before you sent it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and kind of reading up on it, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And I'm really, really uh, eager to, to to get a copy of it. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds intense. <laughs> well, it does. And um, it, the reason I found out about Sabrina was there was um, a, a lot of... Um, uh, women uh, that I knew had who didn't read comics at all had started reading it. Okay, and that's how I found out about it. And um, and I don't really want to spoil the, the comic for for people, but it really is about it's about the sort of response of the nation and how it impacts people who are affected by a, an actual real tragedy. You you do meet Sabrina at the beginning of the movie, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie the, the comic um and but in a sort of sort of twin peaks style twist she disappears um presumably murdered um or or taking her own life or, or whatever it is that actually happens to her. you you don't really find out on, on, until you read throughout the whole whole comic but it, it's about the reaction of people to that incident and how they um, and how they uh, make comments about the people who are closest to them, like did this person who's her boyfriend kill her or whatever, yeah. and how they twist facts and fiction mm-hmm. using social media um, and the news and newspapers and and when you read it, that whole process is quite horrific because. As a person, you can imagine yourself, God forbid, being put in that situation where people analyse you if you're around a tragedy, which could yeah. happen to anybody. And and because you're aware that anybody can make comments about it and those comments can be picked up by anybody and twisted and used. And it was quite scary to mm. read it and to follow that narrative. So... And I'd never even thought about that before, and and um, and and yeah, that really, really was a scary. That 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 was a quite a scary thought, and it was quite a scary book from 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 that perspective. So yeah, Sabrina um, is is a is a scary book. <laughs> it's great, <laughs> very book, much. So. It's um, it's a scary book because it's it's quite it's a little bit more real than Judge Death, and that yeah, in itself yeah, yeah. makes it. It's something that can actually happen, yeah. Um, and it kind of reminded me because um, the way that they're kind of kind of pitching it um, on, um, uh, I can't remember. I was looking on it on a, on a website. Is the fact that you know so many different people come up with conspiracy theories mm-hmm. about the disappearance of Sabrina, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's it kind of reminds me of the real life situation of making a murderer. 
mm-hmm. really. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm not entirely sure actually, and I'd like to find out um, when uh, when the timeline is because Sabrina's published in 2014, I think. Yeah. Not entirely. And, and um, I'm trying to wonder when Making a Murderer came out. It's probably rough. Uh, certainly, I read Sabrina in in hardback last year. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when it came out. When it was started to be written, I'm not sure. It may have been about the same time. So, because yeah. certainly a lot of work's gone into it. That's for sure. Yeah, because like re- reading up on it, apparently he he um, like wasn't happy with the first draft, and he almost cancelled it. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, so making murder is 2015, um, and okay, so Sabrina uh, was put forward for the Man Booker Prize in 2018. Um, so yeah, yeah, it would have been last year. Uh, so maybe, uh, maybe he was uh, slightly inspired, but I know that it, it was a long project by the sounds of things yeah. for him. So maybe he had the idea before that all started. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just amazing, like to think that you know something can happen, and then so many different facts get twisted, and then you know somebody that's a perfectly nice person ends up as a suspect or something. Yeah, and um, just because of, uh, if you read the book, you know, there's uh, the imperfections of the people who are around Sabrina are brought to the fore, uh, and 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 then they're exaggerated, and and the way that the narrative of the book works, the way it puts the pictures together, um, it's just it's just a great book, and but it is a scary it is a scary book, and. And then you know it's it it kind of just ends, and right. and it's you know it's not just the life of the person who has who has disappeared. Uh, it's everybody around them; their life is affected by it. Even even if they're not as close to her as as her boyfriend was, for example, and uh, it's, it, it 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 can it. It can be quite devastating for some people, so yeah, it was. It's it's a great book, and 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 it is a scary, scary book when you think about it. That it it could happen to us all, yeah. depending on what happens to those nearest and dearest to us, which which is scary. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, after reflecting on that, you start to think, oh, maybe I should have something a little more lighter as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you think, uh, what's, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Meaningful comic? Um, I suppose when I was a, a kid, uh, you know, I grew up on looking and I grew up on, you know, reading things like Cheeky Weekly and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did discover American comics in my local newsagents um, when I was round about ten, um, and uh, American comics were still quite rare. You couldn't find them anywhere. Uh, they were in some newsagents, but not all. Um, uh, usually, you would find them in bus stations or <laughs> <laughs> or railway stations, uh, sort of. In, in hangar racks, but my 
there was a news agent that was close to mine, my grandparents, that, that I able I was able to get American comics. And I used to read Superman comics. Great. Um, I thought Superman was absolutely fantastic. It was the time of Superman. The movie was out with Chris Reeve. He was celebrating Great. 40 years. Everything was about Superman. You truly believed, you know, you, you a man could fly at the time. Um, and um, then things were happening at the time uh, and Superman was due to get a revamp uh, by a, a writer-artist called John Byrne called um, uh, Man of Steel, mm-hmm. um, which many people might may have read. Um, yeah. And um, But prior to that, a book came out which was um, called Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow? And the story was written by uh, a writer that, that people will know, Alan Moore. Of course. Uh, yeah. and, um, but it was drawn by probably one of the most definitive artists of Superman of my lifetime, which was Kurt Swan. Great. And it was penciled by George Perez, who, who, or Perez, who, who, um, who uh, did a sort of classic Wonder Woman comic in the Teen Titans and things like that as well. Um, but for me, that you knew that was going to be one of the last comics that Kurt Swan times that Kurt Swan would actually draw Superman, right? Uh, because his artwork was probably seen as being slightly old-fashioned, comparative mm. to what they were trying to do with with John John Byrne, who was going to come in and kind of revitalize the character and start from scratch. Uh, and start the Superman story again from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so that was that felt for me in terms of reflection. If you know, I was coming out from having been you know a young teenager reading Superman comics. I was coming to the age of eighteen, nineteen at that point, and um, uh, round about that age anyway. And it just felt like you were moving from being a child to an adult right and that's that that comic encapsulates that period for me Mm. and what it what it what it teaches you is that you know there is a you know people have their life stages and and comics have their life stages as well that people can embrace and enjoy um and that was that was my time at that point and now there was this new superman coming out and people will be living through this just now because they've, they've done it again um, with Brian yeah. Michael Bendis, new man of steel. And it's the same sort of, you know, uh, idea in that, you know, that whole Superman is now put on the shelf. That's what it is. And here's this new version of the character coming out. And it's also quite sad because um, in that you, you you realize that you know artists have their style and it's of a particular time, and then publishers want something that's new and fresh, and it doesn't matter how good you are or how well regarded you are, you're kind of sort of put on the shelf, and yeah. and that's where where Kurt Swan was was put and and and. So that's kind of where I, 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 why I reflect on on that on that comic, and it, and, it, and I think it's now seen as 
uh, the sort of perfect comic where you can you can actually put aside all the history of a particular character and just refresh it all and start again, which has been done several times with all major characters. And it just it just as you get older, I think it just says, well, that was you know that was my time, that was my reflection, uh, that was. Those were the stories that I loved. I and I, I love the Man of Steel. I love the John Byrne stuff, and I and I enjoyed everything else after that as well. And it, you know, it renewed my interest in it. But when you look at it in the big picture, that's what it, that's what it says to you, and that's why you reflect on it. And so, that's the comic I think of when to that particular question. That's incredible. Um, yeah, and so uh, the, the the next category that, that kind of comes to mind uh, because you've got all of these great comics um mm-hmm. lined up um you start to think what's the most underrated comic that i've read um yeah there was a there was a couple of um sort of great comics that i really enjoyed reading around about the time of the start of the vertigo titles um by DC Comics. Uh, some of them were Vertigo, some of them won't, weren't, weren't, but they kind of fall within the, that parameters. Um, one would have been Sandman Mystery Theatre, right? Um, which I really enjoyed. Um, one would have been The uh, Question by Dennis O'Neill and Dennis Cowan. Um, uh, sort of uh, it was a, a relaunch of the, the Steve Ditko character. And um, I also really liked The Shadow um, by Andy Helfer and Bill Sinkovich. Great. Um, and so all three of them are kind of not superheroes, they're more pulp heroes. Yeah. Um, kind of probably around the time that Warren Beatty did Dick Tracy. Mm. And I just love those characters. I just mm. love that. That I love seeing that on in comics. That kind of pulpy detective mystery um, kind of nineteen thirties, nineteen forties style comics. Yeah, and they, they everybody's got a trilby. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got a trilby. You can't beat a trilby. I mean, it's right. up there with a, it's up there with a fez. Do you know what I mean? And a bow tie. Definitely. It's like. You've got to wear you've got to wear a trilby, and and I love seeing that in comics. I just even even now, even today, I you know I'm attracted to a comic that has a trilby and a you know that kind of pulpy feel to it. Um, and yeah, Dude, just I, out I, of interest, you know, Gateway City. Yeah, I, I saw that, yeah. um, uh, uh, and and it, it, you know it. I'm I'm attracted to to that particular. Call. I haven't read it yet, but no. um, if I'm if I'm at a, a convention and I see, it, I, I know I'll pick it up um, because right. it just screams at me. You know, buy me. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, It'd be right up um, the street. And you, you can't. Uh, I, and what's interesting is I think these kind of comics are slightly underrated. Yeah. Um, but they are really, you know great comics uh, in comics i think were really made for those kind of stories um more so than probably superheroes it really mm-hmm. lends itself to that to that to that genre and um 
and they're as good as you know the movies you know they're they're absolutely fantastic stories and and not many people go wrong when with a trilby so um no. yeah i really do like i really like those particular titles um i they really stand out and i loved waiting to get them and and read them when they came out absolutely brilliant fantastic and of course they 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 inspired uh quite a few iconic things today mm-hmm. particularly the question in the shadow yeah i think that the question um probably um inspired uh well i think it definitely inspired some of the characters in watchmen because i think yeah. watchmen was based on on uh, some of the characters from the the stable of comics that that the question was from and uh, of course the shadow is is known for influencing batman yeah uh, i think um and is is quite a a strong character in in himself and um it's always great to see a a new shadow comic coming out and uh, i think there's a there's been a number of dynamite ones recently and crossovers with batman as well which is which is fantastic and um yeah it was it was it was a great he's a a great character great character brilliant um and so we come on to the to the most difficult question um for your collection (laughs) and that is for you what's the best comic of all time best comic um i was really lucky to sort of uh well i feel really lucky have been brought up with sort of early 2000 AD and then see UK creators um, be discovered, I suppose, by America um, to go over there and do comics for the American market. And one of the first people to be able to do that was Alan Moore. And he went over and he did the series Swamp Thing yeah and you don't really hear much about Alan Moore's Swamp Thing um, compared to things like Watchmen etc but I think it was his best work I think it was absolutely fantastic not only because he took this kind of pulpy silly green monster type thing and completely flipped it on his head and made the readers rethink what it actually was. But the, the stories themselves were quite stunning and uh, the artwork as well with John Totleben and Steve Bissett, it just was a, a fusion of creative genius at the time. And, and the reason it's quite an important comic as well is because it was the first time that uh, people had a chance to see what UK creators could do and their imagination yeah. uh, could achieve. Um, it kind of ride on the tales of this, you know, um, comics are for grown-ups. I, I'm not necessarily convinced about that. I think, you know, kids could enjoy them too. Um mm. I think we underestimate, you know, the sort of 11, 12, 13 year olds and what things they're really interested in. And and they're not quite adults, but they really do like this kind of stuff. I suppose, I mean, earlier on, I, I, I said that I did read horror comics, but I never thought of Swamp Thing as a horror comic. Right. It, it didn't it didn't even occur to me that it was. I mean, it quite had 
quite horrific things in it now looking back but it was better than that it was bigger than that as a as a as a title um and of course it was the the first comic that that um at the time didn't there's the comics called authority stamp that was was on comics and american comics and it and it was the first comic to to drop that and and it it kind of inspired the vertigo line uh, DC comics and I think Swamp Thing eventually went into the sort of vertical line um, and I think without the work that Alan Moore um, I'm not sure whether Vertigo would have happened and I'm not sure this, all these different new comics uh, both I mean, it's quite crazy when you think about it that the the British comics they wanted British creators to go over to the states, and then the work that the the British creators did in the states also would then influence what was happening in British comics at the time. So it was really quite an exciting and eclectic time. And um, but the it, you know it brought this ver- these Vertigo uh, titles out, and if it hadn't been for Vertigo, you know you wouldn't have had Sandman Mystery Theater, you wouldn't have had Sandman. Uh, by Neil Gaiman, yeah. you wouldn't have seen uh, this, 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 these kind of titles come out, and and you might not have seen the same sort of um, comics that are coming out now from small press and indie creators if it hadn't been for that title of Swamp Thing and what Alan Moore achieved in that that short run that he did from issue twenty, and it was absolutely stunning stuff. Uh, what he did and it and it showed what what British creators could do for american American comics and, and comics in general and it was quite an exciting time and it's quite an exciting title and and people should go out and buy it right now <laughs> oh, too right it's, a, it's an absolute classic and kind of reading up on it i mean swamp thing was it was going to be cancelled mm-hmm. wasn't it and then they just yeah. took a punt on Alan Moore basically. <laughs> Um, and he brought it back from the brink, which is amazing. And then, as you say, he kind of started this whole surge of uh, of, of British comic creators, um, and uh, and everything that came with it, like with the likes of Neil Gaiman, and you know later on Grant Morrison, and and everybody, you know Mark Miller, and and all that jazz. Um, so, um, what what an incredible kind of legacy that that has, really. Yeah, I mean, I think um, when Alan Moore left the title, I think Rick Veitch took it on. and right. But after him, I think Grant Morrison wrote it and Mark Miller wrote it as well, I think. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a great character, a great a great, a great great set of uh, 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 stories from Alan Moore and, and certainly certainly probably one of the best comics I think I've ever, ever, I've ever read. Fantastic, um, and so uh, what happens is that you have all of these in your collection, and you're on your way to the bun- bunker, uh, but unfortunately, um, you don't get there uh, by the time that it's nightfall, um, and uh, it's a freezing night um, up in Scotland, I'm afraid, <laughs> and so you have to um, use the comics as um, for for firewood. Because there's no firewood around, but you're you're able to keep one for the for the bunker. Um, so so which one do you keep? Um, goodness, I think the book 
I would keep would be Calvin and Hobbes. Great. Because it's a really thick book, The mm. Treasury. It's got um, a lot of volumes. <laughs> it's got a lot of volumes. Um, and I think it would make me laugh when I needed it. Um, it's got some stories of hope in it, I think, yeah. through the eyes of a child. And I think it also shows that it's okay to have an imaginary friend. And if I'm stuck in this bunker on my own, then, um, you know, I can always pretend I've got a, a stuffed tiger talking to me and that, <laughs> that'll be fine. So, uh, yeah, I think I'd probably go with the, uh, the Calvin and Hobbes choice. Great. I mean, along with your, your, um, your copy of Calvin and Hobbes, um, you're, you're allowed a weapon tool or useful, useful item to take in with you. What is it? Um, I think, uh, um, yeah, the def- there's a definite, um, uh, have you ever seen Batman yeah. with Michael Keaton? Of course. Yeah. You know, when Michael Keaton is faced, uh, as Bruce Wayne uh, against the Joker, he, I think he pulls out a fire poker. Yes. And he goes, <laughs> you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. And, <laughs> that classic, yeah. You know, and I think... You know, if if a fire poker is good enough for Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne, and Batman against the Joker, <laughs> then I think during an apocalypse, apocalyptic event like an asteroid hitting me, then I think uh, a, a, a metal fire poker is the way I want to go. So yeah, I think I'll go for that if I can, if I can find one. Oh yeah, I'm sure we can we can get get you one of those for sure. Um so um thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse. No, uh, Tony you. Foster, it's been it's been a real pleasure. Um and uh for, for, for one more time for the listeners, uh where where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, well you can um uh see us on uh, comicsflix.org. That's our new site in between copies of Comic Scene. Um, you can also read more about Comic Scene at comicscene.org if you wish. Um, you can buy uh, Comic Scene on our shop website, getmycomics.com, Comic Scene. And of course, you can see us on Twitter, um, Facebook, and Instagram uh, sharing our love of comics. Um, and of course, you can also get the magazine itself monthly, usually towards the end of the month, in WH Smith calls Eason's in Ireland and Sainsbury's all good comic shops and uh, the website as well fantastic and then do you have any events coming up this year at all um I'm afraid I I I don't we're we're really busy with the the magazine and have been for the last sort of 12 months um we're hoping that um uh, if if all goes well, and uh, it seems to be going well at the moment, more and more people are hearing about the magazine, more people are picking it up. Um, more people are hopefully seeing it as one of the definitive magazines about comics in the UK and Ireland, that it will allow us to um, maybe visit some comic conventions next year. Great. Um, and uh, meet people directly and chat to people directly and share the magazine with them directly. So 
we would hope to do that. Um, we're playing around with a few different things in the magazine now, um, including sharing some uh, comic strips that perhaps had limited distribution um, in sort of small press and indie that are, are, are deserve a bigger audience. So um, hopefully more people will get a chance to, to see them. Um, but um, yeah, we're, we're at comic conventions. We do have a team of people who go out and, and, and share the magazine. But in terms of in person, that's probably going to be hopefully in 2020. Amazing. I mean, it, it just sounds like the future, doesn't it? 2020. <laughs> yeah, it, do, it, 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 it does. And then, and then I'll stop behaving like the Scarlet Pimpernel and, and, and actually meet some people, which would be great. <laughs> Brilliant, Tony. Well, thanks again for your time today. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope to see you at one of those events next year. Fantastic. No, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Great. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Tony for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Tony's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.